Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. Hey, Lindsay here. The thing that gives me the most anxiety about raising my son is the fear that the world will try to force him to conform and become someone who is neurotypical passing. That's why in our home, we do everything we can to support him in just being his best self. If he needs to stim, you got it, buddy. If he's having a sensory meltdown, let's cocoon and cancel our plans. Being his best self means trusting himself in a world that will tell him being himself is wrong. That freaking breaks my heart for him. That fear used to paralyze me, but now it just empowers me to fight harder to change how we view and approach neurodiversity as parents. If I can give him a strong enough foundation of self-worth, he'll be resilient and brave enough to be himself. That's what I wish for my child, your child, and every child on this earth, regardless of their neurotype. And that's why we created Responsive Parenting Your Neurodivergent Child, the video series. In this series, we break down how to determine your child's unique needs and how to parent them from a responsive approach rather than an approach that's focused on behavior and punishment. Because instead of trying to fit these kids into the world, we need to make their world work for them. And this course will show you how to do it. It's $20. Check out the link in our show notes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship. And the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hello and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. Lindsay here and I'm sitting with Paige. And we are talking about patterns of motivation that show up in ADHD people, neurodivergent people, sometimes even neurotypical people. If you have not listened to our whole series on this, you're going to want to go way back to the episode that is chapter eight, part one, and listen from the beginning. I'll give a quick recap of each of like the colors when we're quantifying tasks, but really it's important for you to have the whole picture understanding. Um, so the when we talk about red tasks or the red quadrant, these are tasks that usually are Um, completed with high emotionality, but they're not fun. So we use shame, guilt, um, pressure to motivate ourselves. You are usually in fight or flight, or this is like the need to do and do and do and go and go and go. Yellow are the tasks that are boring and um, no emotionality. This is your dishes, laundry, house cleaning, returning texts and phone calls, clinical documentation. It's always an example for us. Um, blue are the tasks that give you a quick burst in energy, but it's not really sustainable. And it's not bad, but if it's overused, then it's hard to get motivated get motivated again. This is your Netflix um, binging, your doom scrolling, your binge eating, all the things. Napping is another one. Green is the fulfilling things that bring you back to your values. So there's positive emotions attached to it, and it is fun to do. This is time with family and friends, your hobbies, the things that really genuinely fill your cup. Yes, that's a great summarization of the things that we've covered so far with the quadrants. And so last episode, we brought up two specific patterns that we fall into consciously or unconsciously as we're trying to manage some of our 
I don't want to say symptoms, but the way that our ADHD or neurodivergence shows up for us. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to cover two more. And it's just like a flow. Once you guys understand what the quadrants are, you'll totally understand this episode. But if you don't, then you won't. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's really important to talk about these patterns because part of like, you know, the book's called Your Brain is Not Broken. Um, being neurodiversity affirming is about making um, the making your life work for the brain that you have, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that your brain is bad or wrong or broken it or your child's. It is that our life and our um, society has been set up by neurotypical people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times our beliefs about how we should show up in the world or how we should operate or tips for productivity and getting things done have been taught by neurotypical people for neurotypical people. And if you're not, you can um, create a lot of shame from not being able to operate at that level. And actually, you probably can operate at a higher level, I dare to say, if yeah, you can hack your brain, yep. if you can hack your brain. So um, not that I don't love neurotypical people, but I do have a special place in my heart for the superpowers of the neurodivergent brain. And they are there. You just need to figure out how to find them. Yeah. And recognizing these patterns that keep you from living your superpowers is so important. And a lot of times we just unconsciously do these things and we're not even aware of it. So yeah. And we do them in ways that are not supportive. No, I I mean, pretty much like what it boils down to is the way we motivate ourselves wrecks our nervous system, our relationships, and makes us feel with guilt and shame. Yeah. When if you have a basic understanding of how you operate, you can navigate the world better. It makes me think of, this is a horrible analogy and I'm going to do it anyways. Okay, I'm here. But like the Titanic. Oh, yeah, it's too soon. If you can see what's in, if you can see what's in the ocean, you won't hit the iceberg over and over again. Also, it's too soon. It's too (laughs) soon. But I'm I'm just like, if you're going to go into the ocean to see a ship through a camera still, which that doesn't make sense to me because that little ocean gate sub did not have any windows. Yeah, you just watched it on a computer. Like, why wouldn't you watch that in your PJs? in your basement, but also don't use a $40 Xbox controller to steer the damn thing. Yeah. Okay. We cannot reopen Ocean Gate right now. I cannot. I have so many. We'll have to talk at dinner. I have so many things to say. Okay. So DM me if you want to talk Ocean Gate. I got a lot to say. Or (laughs) Scandaval. If you know what I'm referring to, hit me up in the DMs. (laughs) Okay, so this next pattern is red, blue, and then back again. So this Ooh. sounds very similar to Need for Speed, but it has some distinctive differences. This one's mine. <laughs> so this is when you're in the wet red quadrant, and you're just in a frantic, frenzied state, and that's where you're the most productive, and you work there as long as you can, and you only flop to blue now because you're tired and exhausted. You are hermit mode that's what Lindsay calls it you end up in hermit mode and this and like in the book she gives this example of like busting it during the week and then Fridays you fall on the couch and you like cannot move Mm -hmm. that that was me I'm more aware now um but it was like a I was honoring as hell I was mean to my kids on Friday nights I um and and I would feel so bad because it would be like oh this is the time to like start the weekend and enjoy it with them and I would just be so frustrated and I would just want them to go play. <laughs> like I wouldn't want them to bug me. And it's like, oh, that's really crappy. And then I realized what I was doing mm-hmm. and I was able to like support myself during the week so that now when Friday rolls around, I have the capacity. So I'm not white knuckling that anymore. And that's mm-hmm. what's so important about this is like, if you can hack this, then you're not like trying not to 
yell at your kids. Yeah. And then you're not harboring the guilt of being a bad parent or all the things that come with or it. Or why don't I want to spend time with my kids on Friday night? Why yeah. do I just want to watch 10 why episodes? I, why of... am I not happy? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I personally feel like it's such a waste of my time to be angry or fighting with my family members because I'm like, I only get so much time with you. Literally in life. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to enjoy every moment of it. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember this specifically one day. I had 10 clients in a day on accident. Oh, like, God. Like, I just wasn't paying attention as I booked my schedule. And they all showed up for all of their sessions. So, I did 10 sessions back to back. And I barely ate and I barely drank. Because it was, that's 10 hours, guys, of being fully attuned to another human. And it took me two days to recover. Mm-hmm. And it was really eye-opening because like I mentally I was exhausted physically my body was exhausted like I couldn't be creative I couldn't come up with ideas I was really reactive and I just like power napped and binge watched tv until I felt like I could move again Mm -hmm. so I was like well that's definitely a limit for me but just like Lindsay said the problem with this approach is that the all or nothing pattern and belief leaves you feeling out of balance emotionally and missing out on the sweet moments of life Mm -hmm. So, are you ready for this quiz, Lindsay? Yeah, am I doing? I'll do today me because I did a year ago on the last one. Okay, so today you first. I this is different than the Need for Speed pattern because the Need for Speed is more like adrenaline junkie. We are in red all day, every day, and just relax enough to get back into red again. When you're in red, blue, red pattern, then you're in red for days, weeks, sometimes even months, and then you're in blue for days or weeks, like unproductive blue. Like when you get a hive condition? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so, question one. Are you very competitive and self-critical only to suddenly flip and become complacent? Yes. <laughs> Do you strive relentlessly towards goals without feeling a sense of joy in your efforts and accomplishments? Yes. At times. Not always, but yes. Yeah. Do you find at times that you know you should be doing something productive but are too fatigued mentally and physically to do anything at all only to press yourself into hyperaction a day or two later? Yes. Do you get wound up quickly and overreact sometimes but other times just don't care? Yes. Do you experience a drive, persistent sense of urgency to complete tasks? Yes. Do you find yourself flipping between being incredibly impatient, intolerant, and um, very intolerant on other days? Yes. Do you look like you have two speeds on and off? Yes. Do you sometimes forget to enjoy the journey? Yes. How many times do I say that? I'm like, I'm just here for the journey. Yeah, we're just here for the journey. (laughs) When you realize that you forgot to enjoy the journey, does that make you feel sad or down? Yes. Although you know you should take more time to relax, do you find that the idea unappealing? No, I always find relaxing appealing. I always want to be blue. Do you stop and rest only when your body tells you that you need Absolutely to? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> so if you score above a seven. Which I still did. You want to guys. think about how you can balance your energy years. Yeah. yeah. And this is something I've really been working on lately. And it, it is very helpful. Just the awareness of it is very helpful. And even in my patterns of how I schedule myself. Like I know you shared the story of doing uh, 10 clients. There's a setting you can set, by the way. I was going to tell you this when I stopped recording, but that will tell you like it'll give you a client limit per day and if you exceed it it like throws a pop-up up 
and you have to like accept that you will exceed the client limit per day. So that helps me. Um, but there are very few times when I will see eight clients in a day back to back. And when I do, it is always with intentionality and always for a specific reason, meaning I'm going on vacation. And so it's like, I have that extra time built in to be mm-hmm. able to do that. But there was a time in my career where I saw eight clients a day, five days a week. And that, and it was not pretty right? Like mm-hmm. by Friday, I was like struggling to stay awake because I was so exhausted. And then it was like, why am I so exhausted? I haven't actually done anything. It feels like, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. it's just, yeah. Cause you just are working. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of sitting or a lot of playing mm-hmm. in our case. I spent a lot of time on the floor, but yeah. Um, and I think this one, this pattern hits home for me as a counselor, because it says that one of the major costs of this pattern is less than professional work. Yeah. Which is not something I ever want to provide to a client. Yeah. And so it's something that's really important for us to be aware of Mm -hmm. is our, and it's actually unethical. I've had supervisors like talk about how, um, but, and we usually work students like this in the therapy world. And I think it needs to be talked about more like in a broom closet. Cause I literally did therapy in a broom closet. Um, like we work students, and talk about productivity. And it's really unethical to do more than 30 sessions a week. And the reasoning behind that is this, like, it, you will not be a good therapist at that point. Because there, yes. no one has the capacity to be emotionally attuned 100% to another human for more than that, really. And still do the other things you need to be able to do. Um, I had a point to, like, the red-blue thing. That was not about work, but... It'll come back. But that's really true. So for me, that's an eye-opener, especially because I am a helping professional. And like part of the achievement pattern that I struggle with is being good at what I do, which we are good at what we do. High five. Boom. Um, is that my clients are getting my best work. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing. Like sometimes it's like if I have to decide between my clients getting my best work and my kids, like yeah. I don't – that's that's a tricky one. Like, yeah, that's a struggle. Yeah, and so it's it's about that constant awareness. What I was going to say, it came back to me, is that a lot of times you'll see the TikToks come up and they're always like freaking viral because everyone can relate to us. And it's like, as an ADHD human, I have two speeds, all or nothing, pretty much. Like, yep. I'm going to clean my whole house and everything's going to be perfect. That's the red. And then the blue is like nothing. I'm going to lay on the couch for five days, right? And yeah. and I see a lot of moms talk about this too. Like I'm the mom that like we're going to the pool and my house is clean and my laundry's done and I'm meal prepping or I'm laying on the couch. And so I think it's about finding more of that like middle ground of like how can I build blue and green into my tasks? Yeah, into your routine. Mm-hmm. And so I have some privileges being self-employed, which means I control my own schedule And so I recognize that that's not the case for everybody, but this is an example of how I've built it into my life after that 10 client day. Or when Lindsay and I first started working together, I was working two jobs. Mm -hmm. So I was often doing like 50 to 60 hours a week. Well, three jobs with Mindful as a Mother. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay. So what I did is I adjusted my schedule to only work four days a week. Um, at my practice with clients and then Friday I would take off and my kids are in school so that would be my day where I took a really intentionally slow moving morning I watched TV or something if I wanted to um, and I usually only felt the need to do it for a little while and then I really enjoy cleaning so I would spend time cleaning my house and doing laundry because caring for my home and and myself is something that for me is very big Mm self-care and so my whole friday was spent doing like green 
activities, green and blue activities. So then when Saturday hit, I was present with my kids. Or Friday after school, I was really present with my kids. Or incorporating green activities with my children or blue activities with my children. Yeah, and so I take Wednesdays off. And it's it's a similar thing. And then I've also, like, started to recognize, like, the... I've had to be really intentional about like that the nights I work late because if I do a bunch of late nights, I notice that I'm more in the red mm-hmm. versus like staggering it. So I have like one late night a week, right? So like something that's manageable for me. And I think it's about and and you can take this concept even if you're not a therapist and like create a schedule or structure for and a system for your home that works for you. So like if you know you have the most energy for your yellow tasks in the morning plan to do those things in the morning and then you know take a rest or do more like green tasks in the afternoon or midday yes exactly and I really appreciate knowing that I think another thing I was going to bring up was when we are living out of alignment with our values so we're not spending enough time in green we experience burnout and so I had to really think about my schedule in that form two of what time do I want to get off? Like I was starting to work really late evenings and I, my husband isn't home. So my kids would be in school all day and then childcare all afternoon, close to evening, right Mm -hmm. up till bedtime. And that wasn't fulfilling for me. It didn't, that wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. I wasn't getting enough time with my kids. Like, so I had to adjust my schedule or my daily activities, so that way I could live more in alignment with my values. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this before, and maybe we can um, post it as a podcast because I've done a masterclass on burnout as a mother. Mm-hmm. But when we are living out of alignment with our values, we experience burnout, which is exactly what it means when you're not giving yourself enough green. Well, and this is what happens. You see moms do this all the time because the tendency with mothers is to, and especially neurodivergent mothers, I think, who do not have the awareness around these patterns in their energy levels and in themselves, is to give and give and give Mm -hmm. to their kids or be in the red and do all the things for their kids, right? Yeah. And then they get into burnout as a mom, and then there's a lot of guilt and shame about the feelings that come up in burnout or not being able to do the things you want to do. So you're not living within your house. Or show up as the mom you want to show up as. Yeah. And that's a lot of like, a lot of our marketing is centered around like being able to show up as the mom you want to be. And this is exactly that. Like the mom that I want to be is not the mom on Friday nights who wants her kids to leave them her alone. You know what I mean? And if that's showing up in my life, that is a signal that I need to, I'm not living in my values and I need to adjust something. Yeah. It's a vital sign. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I agree. So the next pattern that we'll talk about is the nothing but blue pattern, which I think this one is really, oh, really interesting. One more little thing on moms with this level of not having green and living out of alignment. I feel like a lot of ADHD moms like go hard, right? We go hard at what we do. We're all or nothing. So when we're all in on momhood, we lose our sense of identity as an individual, Mm -hmm. which is also out of alignment with your values. Mm -hmm. And I think once I see a lot of uh, moms when their kids grow Mm -hmm. that are struggling to figure out who they are again. Yeah. And, and it also, so if you're a neurodivergent mom who then has neurodivergent kids, this becomes this pattern of like, 
There can be like rescuing and codependency and all sorts of things because there's not that sense of identity within yourself mm-hmm. and care for yourself. So yeah, it, it is something to definitely be aware of in in all areas of motherhood because I think motherhood, because we care about our kids so much, it is the easiest place to lose ourselves. I agree. Even though it's the most rewarding place to be. Yeah. And you wouldn't change it. And well, right. And, and in order to be a good mom, we have to maintain our identity. Like I cannot be the best mom I can be if I'm not honoring the fact that I'm Lindsay. Yeah. And that Lindsay has existed. Yeah. And that Lindsay has preferences and needs and all of those things. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, and I think a lot of that has, a lot of it in our society has to change on like what we expect of mothers and what mothers expect of themselves Mm -hmm. and what motherhood looks like. And this is where it's a relationship, not a role. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I fall a lot in, like, I coach a lot of moms to establish boundaries with their kids as in, like, I need a minute and then I can come to you. And I had to unpack a lot of guilt about myself of, like, I need some time. Like, yes, you're having a moment, but I am having a moment. Mine is (laughs) the where I have to be really aware and unpack is, like, if my kids can do it for themselves, I need to let them. Yes. Because that's, it's the boundaries with myself Mm -hmm. that I really struggle with. Like maintaining that boundary that like, I'm not just going to get up and find the thing. I'm going to say, did you look here? Did you, it's not that I'm not going to support you in it, but like, I don't need to be rescuing you. Yes. We want to learn autonomy. (laughs) Okay. So the nothing but blue pattern. Um, This pattern is different because you are only in blue. You don't move out of blue. You stay in blue. You believe that blue is the right place for you. Netflix, doom scrolling. Yeah. Um, what else do people in blue do? Sleep a lot. Lay on the couch a lot. Um, being in like burnout blue for me. I'm just going to call it burnout blue because there's like a healthy level of blue. I don't want to I don't want to make blue sound so bad. Um, there is a healthy level of blue and it can be refreshing in small ways and in, in small doses. Right. Yeah. But burnout blue to me feels like I am walking in like or I have like cement on my feet. Like I can, it's everything is hard. It's just so hard. Yeah. Well, and so this one is more of like a leisurely blue. And so the example she gives is TJ looks like an easygoing person that just wants to enjoy life. And he participates in um, playing video games and often leads D&D and works part time as a pizza delivery driver and lives with his parents still. Um, Sounds like my dream line. Like this Except is for d and I'm sorry, guys. Whoever's into, into D&D, it. I'm just not into it. My so, brain isn't create uh, for being cre- uh, creative. I'm not creative in that, that way. creative. Yeah, the storylines <laughs> too complicated. It's the planning. It's the planning. Yeah. So she talks about this client that she saw TJ and how he says things like, "I'm not really sure what I want to do, so I just don't do anything." Right. So that's the kind of blue. And she said it's common for people to avoid anxiety provoking situations and that is exactly what all this nothing but blue pattern is so i he didn't like school so he started skipping classes so tj in this example is more of an avoider than a procrastinator and he's trying to escape situations that are uncomfortable and only providing relief that feels good and reinforces what feels good. So we're not approaching anything that feels challenging or that could potentially hold uncomfortable emotions, even um, like driving into red, like no emotional intensity. 
It's very like laissez faire. Um, this is like the guy you date when you're like 19. Yes. And they're like 25 living in their parents' basement. Yeah, and you think they're, they're like so cool. And you're like, one day so they're going to get their shit together. Yeah. He just needs a good woman. Yeah. Or she just needs a good woman. <laughs> so right. yeah, you're occupy themselves with entertainment or some sort of busy work because they are not, they have no intention of engaging in any kind of undesirable task. So here are the questions. <laughs> um, I question why tasks have to be so difficult all the time. I find myself waiting for inspiration before starting important tasks. And while I might, while I wait, I might as well insert blue activity, play video games. I know what I have to do, but frequently I find myself spending time doing something else that's more enjoyable. When tired, I really just want to veg out instead of tackle any of the difficult tasks I have to do. I see how workaholics don't enjoy life, so I refuse to be one. If I forego the small things that make me happy, then I will become a boring, lifeless drone. Even if I tried to insert task, I wouldn't know where to start. I often imagine people criticizing my work before I complete it. Social situations are very uncomfortable for me and I fear being rejected or criticized. I am reluctant to take risks or engage in new activities that may prove embarrassing. So if you score above a six, this may be a pattern that you're hiding from stress of performing tasks and there's no cost to hanging out in blue. <laughs> um. And I just want to like, you already said this, but I just want to like hit home the point that this stems from emotional avoidance on some level. So like if you listen to the questions, it's fear of being criticized. It's um, fear of doing it wrong, fear of not knowing how to do it. Perfectionism. It's it's that perfectionism, right? Or fear that um, I think even in like like the green stuff, like fear of doing the green stuff because... It, there will be a challenge to it or emotional intimacy because I could get hurt or all of these things. So this is a fear of yeah, it's a, it's emotion mm-hmm. and even positive ones, I think, or like uplifting ones on some connecting ones, right? True joy, right? Yeah. Because um, that that blue is a lot of that like it's enjoyment. It's short-term enjoyment in the moment, right? It's yeah. not typically. It's the fake dopamine. Yeah, it's cheap. That's what we've been calling cheap it. Dopamine. Cheap dopamine. So she addresses three specific false beliefs that she sees with people in this pattern. And I know somebody in my life that I love very much who I would say um, I can't speak for their experience, but on the outside looking in, it looks like an all but blue pattern Mm -hmm. where it's like they voice all these things that they want and would want, but then there is no action. There is no intention. It's like this just is enough. And I feel like... As an outsider, and I even made this comment earlier about like, it's like the guy you date when you're 19, right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't ever seem like they're going to grow up. And it, on the outside, it can look like, um, if it's an older person, you're like, why aren't you doing this? Like you get, yeah, but like recognizing that it's like deeper than that. Yeah. There is something deeper and that people usually are not intentionally trying to hurt you. If there's relational hurt in this pattern. Yeah. Well, and if you think about the emotional intensity experienced by neurodivergent people, this is what I think of. It's like sometimes it's like, why would I risk the amount of pain that that would elicit? 
And I thought of like people who have really intense rejection sensitive dysphoria. Uh Like I'm not even going to try because it's going to hurt. Like I just know that if someone criticizes me in the smallest way, I'm done. Yes, exactly. So here are the limiting beliefs. You are likely concerned about conserving all of your energy. Examining your false belief of fearing that any tasks in yellow, red, or even green require a lot of energy that you don't have. Another belief is that you can't do it perfectly, so you won't even take the risk. And then hidden deeply within this pattern is the belief that if you perform flawlessly, you will gain people's acceptance and love. So the fear of letting someone down by failing at the task is too great for you to choose to do it. Right? I'm like, that's pretty deep. So that's just some of them. And some of the things that she says is starting a morning, midday, and evening routine. So in the morning, after this is in your awareness that this is where you're at, face the blue. So what distractions might get in your way today? Like identify them. What activities um, drag you into the nothing but blue pattern? Is it an addiction? Like that's a real question. Are you addicted to it? Well, and when we look at ADHD, this is something that's really important to talk about because these blue patterns, this really cheap dopamine is addictive because there's a lack of dopamine in your brain. Yes. Right? And so, or what happens is we get cheap dopamine, we get cheap dopamine, we get cheap dopamine and we, and it like spikes it and then we think we need more. Mm-hmm. The other thing is our body has a natural balancing system and so it doesn't just like bring our like, um, stimulation levels back to normal it like drops us below to even it out so then what happens is like maybe we scroll and scroll and scroll and we know it's not good for us we keep scrolling and we're searching for the high again but the high isn't there and and then we're depressed because our body's correcting so you almost have to like kind of put the phone down or put the video game down take some time and know that like the intensity at which you went up you are coming down it is temporary. It will pass. And then when you're in a more regulated space, then I think you're in a better place to make plans for like, yes. how do I prevent this in the future? Yes. And I want to bring this up again with video games. I do support video games. I think they can be a really supportive tool, a really great piece of enjoyment, but it's important to know how our brains operate or they operate in the people you love and in your children. Because this awareness and this understanding that you're not just really happy and then really sad and you don't know why is going to help you understand how to hack your activities to become a more stabilized person. And people with ADHD are more likely to develop addictions. And we are not just talking like a video game, but we're talking video game. We are talking like food addiction. We are talking, um, what else? Any kind of drugs. There's, there's that, right? But then there's also like sexual addictions. There's all sorts of things that, and, and it is because of this pattern and this cycle. And so it's really important to be aware of, I think, especially in our kids, because we, do, we don't want to set them up to, and some people say like, I have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. This, this is what this looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This and, is the science. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you can, and, and things like, so like with substances, it's a little bit easier because it's like, okay, well, I'm just not going to drink or I'm not going to you know, smoke crack, which no one should be doing. But, um, (laughs) but like with video games and with food, like you still got to eat, you still want to have entertainment. Like how, how do we fight this pattern? And I think the strategies in here are a really good way to like approach it. Yeah. So we're asking ourselves these questions. We're identifying the activities. We're being really honest about whether or not we feel like it's an addiction. And in the morning we're setting an intention of 
how much we're limiting some of those distractions or tasks. So she even suggests if it's a game on your phone, set aside your phone, see if you can go the whole day without it or how long you can go and try to slowly expand it. Mm -hmm. So then in the midday, she says, try the blue yellow game. So, or the yellow blue game. So spend 20 minutes in a yellow task, 10 minutes in a blue one, and then go back and forth Mm -hmm. to become more accustomed to it. And she said that actually a lot of her clients have had a lot of success, but the key is actually setting a timer and actually following the timer, Mm -hmm. which I feel like would be the hardest struggle for me. When I get too deep into blue, um, it doesn't present like, it just presents in like a burnout kind of way for me, but the yellow blue game does work. I do it. I didn't know what I was doing, but that's what I do. Yeah. Right. Like we find ways to hack. Yeah. So it's like, and when I, and I remember I, I learned this when I was pregnant with my twins because I was so exhausted, but I also had Sam and I also had work and stuff to do. So I'd be like, okay, I'm going to switch this little laundry and then I'm going to watch half this episode and then I'll start the dishwasher. And I would like do it that way. Mm -hmm. And it like worked really well to like conserve my energy. And then I was like, oh, maybe this works for like emotional energy too. And it did. It did. Yep. See, we're experimenting. So doing that 30 minutes in yellow, 10 minutes in blue And then for an evening practice, she says, recognize the yellow things you completed. When your three yellow things are completed, treat yourself to a longer relaxing blue or better, a green activity and consistently reward yourself that way. I love it. Me too. So those are just some of the patterns that we can unconsciously or consciously fall into and some of the tips we can use if we're looking to consciously start changing them to be just happier, healthier humans. I feel like it it really makes a difference on how we move through the world mm-hmm. and how we thrive in our relationships. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So tune in next week. We're going to talk about climbing the emotional ladder. So how to cultivate emotional health with all of this information that we've shared with you so far. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.